You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number four. Jonah chapter number four. And we are continuing our series through the book of Jonah. And believe it or not, uh, this is actually our eighth message in our Jonah series. Message number eight. It's hard to believe. We took some breaks in be- between during the, the Christmas season, but uh, this is our eighth message in our Jonah series. We got a couple more uh, before we wrap up. Now, uh, last time we looked at this book, we looked at it a couple weeks ago, and we left off in Jonah chapter number three with the entire city of Nineveh experiencing revival. It was just a great chapter, and it covered so much. We looked at uh, the fact that Jonah was given a second chance by God, right? God gave him a second chance to follow his plan for his life, and it was really awesome because God is a God of second chances. And then we found out that Jonah made his way to this Assyrian city, and he preached a five-word sermon to the Ninevites. Only five words long, but in that five-word sermon, the entire city of Nineveh repented and believe God. There was an incredible revival that took place in that entire city. And, and honestly, throughout the book of Jonah, this is probably my favorite chapter by far. This is just an awesome part of the story of Jonah. But I want you to know this morning, the story isn't done. No, there's more to the story in the book of Jonah. You see, we are covering a verse-by-verse commentary on this book. And we're now moving forward to the next verse on our list. And that is Jonah chapter number four and verse number one. Now in Jonah chapter three, we see his, the, the revival that took place. But once we come to Jonah chapter four, we see Jonah's reaction and Jonah's response to this revival that happened. All right. So that being said, let's read Jonah chapter number four and verse one. This is Jonah's reaction. All right. The Bible says, And Jonah was super excited for what God had done, and he lived happily ever after with the Ninevites. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. I wish that's what it says, right? But sadly, his reaction was much worse. Look what he says in Jonah 4.1. The Bible says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. That can't be right. Jonah's the one that preached this message to the Ninevites. Jonah's the one that followed God's plan. Jonah's a preacher. These people come to repentance and he's angry? Let's keep reading. Let's see what the Bible has to say about that. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So he's saying, I'm angry because I knew you were going to forgive them. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were a loving God. Again, that doesn't make sense. This is a prophet of God, and he's saying, I am mad. I rebelled. I ran because you're a gracious and loving God. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So Jonah says, this is why I rebelled. 
Because you're a gracious and merciful God, and because you forgave them, I now want to die. Kill me, Lord. Kill me now. That does not make sense at all, right? God just gave him a second chance. He is following God's call. God is blessing, and he's mad. We see Jonah's response, but let's look at God's response now. Look at verse number four to close. The Bible says, Then the Lord said, Doest thou well to be angry? He asked him a question. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Reading that text in Jonah chapter 4 and, and reading the rest of the book, I can't help but get irritated. I can't help but get mad at Jonah. Here we see a man named Jonah, a preacher, a prophet of God, that just experienced every preacher's dream. Every preacher's dream would, would be to experience what Jonah experienced. My, my number one dream in life would be able to preach a sermon and see the entire city come to God. Right? That would have been so cool. Right? That would be better than hitting a home run in the World Series. That would be better than winning the lottery, experiencing what Jonah experienced. But here we see Jonah is angry and mad about that taking place. You know, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. If I was the writer of the book of Jonah, I would have probably ended in chapter 3. I would have left out chapter 4. Right? I would have ended with revival where, where everybody is good. Jonah's following God. Jonah's good. Nineveh's following God. Nineveh is good. God is love. God is grace. I would have ended with revival. I would have ended on a high note. That's how I would have done it. But you want to know something? I'm not the writer of the book of Jonah. No, in fact, there is no human writer of the book of Jonah. For the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God, right? All scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, God is the author of this book. This is the word of God. And whenever we're reading a passage of scripture and, and we come to a passage that we don't understand, that doesn't seem to make sense, we need to remember now that God's ways are above our ways. God's thoughts are above our thoughts, and God has a plan. You see, God had a reason for continuing this story in Jonah chapter 4. And you want to know what that purpose was? That purpose was because God was still working on Jonah. Jonah still had more to learn. Even though he was a prophet, even though he repented of his ways, even though he followed God's plan for his life, he was still missing the mark. He was still missing the point. He had more to learn. And that's ultimately what this book is about. You see, God is a merciful God, and, and God is a loving God, and God wasn't willing to let Jonah continue to have these prejudices in his life, these strongholds in his life, because deep down in Jonah's life, even though he was forgiven, he still had this anger. He still had this, this prejudiced mindset toward the Ninevites. That's why he's angry today. And so God continues in chapter 4 to try to help Jonah overcome this problem in his life. Right? You see... The reason why God didn't end the story in chapter 3 is because God wasn't satisfied with simply reaching Nineveh. No, he wanted to reach Jonah. And he didn't want to just reach Jonah on the outside. No, he wanted to reach him on the inside. He wanted to reach Jonah completely. He wanted to reach Jonah. He wanted Jonah to experience a breakthrough, right? A breakthrough in his life. And if you think about it, that's ultimately what this book is all about, right? This is a story of how a reluctant man faced a relentless God. From chapter 1 to chapter 4, that's what we see. Jonah rebelling, Jonah running from God, but God pursuing Jonah. God pursuing Jonah in grace and mercy and love. Because God is a God who is relentless in his love.
And that's our series name today, Jonah, the Relentless Love of God. That's what the series is all about. And if you think about it, out of all of the things that Jonah needed to learn, it was to learn how to love. Right? It was to learn the love of God, to learn God's love for his life, and to learn to love others in that same exact way. And that's why we see Jonah chapter 4 today. Because if you think about it this morning, Jonah 4 as an epilogue is really the thrust of the story. Right? Because God has reached the Ninevites. Right? Chapter 3, he reached them, revival took place. But now in chapter 4, we find God reaching deeper still. We find God reaching into the life of Jonah. He's reaching to the very roots of Jonah's sin. He's reaching to the very depths of Jonah's heart. He is reaching to the part of Jonah's life that nobody sees. You see, God is not concerned with the outward appearance. No, he's more concerned with what's on the inside. He's more concerned with the heart. And, and, and I love this here because Jonah chapter 4, when we read it and we look at it with that love mindset, we really see the love of God so clearly. You see, God not only wanted to save Jonah, and God not only wanted to give Jonah a second chance, no, he wanted to transform Jonah from the inside out. He wanted to change Jonah into his image. He wanted Jonah to have a breakthrough. That's the whole theme of this story. That's what he wanted for Jonah's life. But in order for this to happen, he had to get to the root of the problem. Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2, we see the fruit of the problem. The fruit of the problem of Jonah's life. He's rebelling. He's running. But in Jonah chapter 3 and in Jonah chapter 4, we now see the root issue. The root problem in our life. And, and many of us today, we're dealing with the fruit problems in our life. The problems that are coming out on the outside. But, but God wants to get deep in on the inside. Those, those problems that we don't know about. Those problems uh, that, that maybe we don't even realize we have. And he wants to bring those to the forefront so we can live the true victorious Christian life. So we can bear the fruits of the Spirit in our life. He had to get to the root of the problem. To say it this way, he had to bring out Jonah's worst in order to put in God's best. And that, that same mindset, that same way God worked in Jonah's life is the same thing with you and I today. You see, God wants you to experience a breakthrough. God wants you to live the victorious Christian life. He absolutely does. The abundant life, a breakthrough life, an overcomer life. That's what he wants for you. But in order for that to happen, he needs to get to the root problems in our life. It's kind of like this. Have you ever been, been gardening and, and you see a weed in your yard and you decide to, to try to pull it out and it's a lot harder than you planned it to be? And, and you pull it out finally and, and that root is like a foot deep. And you're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how deep that weed was. Well, that's kind of what God does in our life. God tries to pull out those roots in our life, so those roots of bitterness, those roots of sin, and they're a lot deeper than we think. And many of us have allowed deep roots of anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, clamor, wrath, you name it, to infiltrate our very soul. Just like Jonah, Jonah's a Christian, Jonah's a prophet, Jonah's a preacher, Jonah's a man of God, and he's got roots of bitterness in his life. And I, I truly believe that every single one of us have those roots of bitterness, but God being a loving and caring God, he wants to take those roots out of your life, and he wants you to bear fruit, right? And God, because he's a loving God, he's going to try to root out some problems in your life. 
right, root out those issues. But you want to know what happens when he starts to do that? It starts to get a little ugly. It can result in us getting angry at God. It can result in us actually getting resentful towards God. Normally, that's what happens, right? Normally, we, we, we play the blame game, and we get mad at God in those moments, but all he's trying to do is just root out those problems so you can live a life of victory, right? Just like Jonah, that's what he was doing for Jonah's life, but what's Jonah doing here? He's not getting mad at the Ninevites. No, he's getting mad at God. He's angry with God, and I want to look at that topic today, all right? I want to deal with Jonah's anger in Jonah chapter number four, and, and as we look at Jonah's anger, I want us to consider our anger. The anger that we have and the anger that we don't realize we have. And I want us to look at the reasons why you and I become angry with the Lord and the reasons why you and I may harbor some bitterness in our soul. All right, there's three points that I want to make concerning Jonah's anger today. Three points that I want to make that will help us overcome our anger in our life. And we'll just get right into it today. The first one I want to look at is uh, the description of his anger. All right, right off the bat in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, we are given a very detailed description of the anger of Jonah. Look at verse 1. Look what the Bible says there. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. All right, so, so Jonah was displeased, and Jonah was angry. But he wasn't just displeased. The Bible says he was exceedingly displeased. And he wasn't just angry. He was very angry. I think God wants us to be very clear about the type of attitude that Jonah had, right? What Jonah was dealing with, right? This wasn't just a, a little problem, a little issue. This is something that's been festering for years and years and years. Here we have a man struggling with extreme resentment. Because Jonah didn't get his way, Jonah gets resentful. That's really what it boils down to. He didn't get his way. He's resentful. He's mad at God. And I want you to know today, resentment is the most worthless emotion in your entire life. The most worthless emotion in your life and in mine. Because anytime you get resentful, you're going to hurt yourself more than you hurt the person that you're resentful against. You know, and we can all struggle with that, right? I'm not picking on anybody today. I believe every single one of us have some sort of resentment in our heart today. Uh, if I were to ask you to remember someone who's hurt you, you could probably come up with somebody pretty quickly. Right? Somebody that you have resentment towards. We all have it. Right? That's, our, that's our nature, right? We, we live in an imperfect world. There's times where we get resentment and resentful towards people. And you may think by resenting them, you're holding them accountable. But actually, when you're resenting someone, all you're doing is making yourself miserable. That's all you're doing. Right? Resentment is a deadly poison that we all struggle with. Uh, it, it's like drinking arsenic and hoping it kills your opponent. That's what resentment does. It, it doesn't help. It always hurts. And, and that's what we see in Jonah's life. He is hurting. He is experiencing this deadly poison that's, that's festering and, and growing in his life. He's, he's exceedingly displeased. He's very angry because he's got this resentment in his heart that he's not getting right. And resentment of any kind is bad. But resentment towards God, man, that's the worst. And that's what takes place here with the prophet Jonah. Because Jonah didn't get it his way, he is resentful. He's mad, he's angry, he's exceedingly displeased. So that's the description, all right? Resentment. 
right? That's the description of Jonah's life. But, but my second point today, I want you to notice the reasons. All right, the reasons for Jonah's anger. Why is Jonah angry at God? Now, you can say, Michael, we saw that in verse number two. Right? He's angry because God's gracious and God's merciful. Right? He was merciful toward the Ninevites. That's why. And, and yes, in a way, that's right. But we need to remember now, there's always more to the story than that. Always. Uh, you know, oftentimes the anger on the outside is just an indicator of something much deeper on the inside. You know, that anger that comes out is a problem with the heart. You ever experienced that before where, where you're talking with somebody and they just flip out out of nowhere? You steal their pen by accident. And they're just like, ah, oh. they flip out on you. And you're just like, where on earth did that come from? Well, oftentimes the issue on the outside is not the real issue. The issue is much deeper than that, right? Anger is just an outward expression of something that's, that's rooting deep down in our life. And that's what we see in Jonah. You see, you read this text and, and on the outside, he's mad about the grace of God, right? He's mad about the mercy of God. But, but what disappoints Jonah really, if you think about it, isn't the mercy of God. No, what disappointed Jonah was the fact that God didn't do what he wanted him to do. If you think about it, that's really why he's angry here, because God didn't do what he wanted him to do. Jonah was mad because he did not get his way. He was selfish, right? He was selfish. Look at verse number two. That's what we see, all right? Uh, listen to how quickly his prayer pivots away from God back to himself. All right, look what he says in verse two. He says, and he prayed unto the Lord. Now, that's good, right? That's great. He prayed. That's awesome. We all need to pray, right? But, but as we read, this prayer turns more into a complaint than a prayer. And it's not a complaint about his circumstance. It's a complaint about the characteristics of, of God. Look at what he says. Look at how he directs to himself here. He says, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So what do we see there? We see I, my, I, my, I, I. He prayed unto the Lord, but it's all about me, right? He's focused on himself. Six times he references himself in that one verse, right? What's he focused on? A selfish prayer, focused about his circumstance, focused about his way. It is a me-centric mindset. You see, Jonah thought it was all about him, right? He wants his way. He wants to live for himself. I I fled my saying. You see, this really wasn't about the mercy of God. No, Jonah loved the mercy of God. Right? Jonah's thankful for the mercy of God. Jonah was thankful for God's mercy. Jonah was thankful for God's grace. He, he actually talks about that in Jonah chapter 2. He was thankful for all those things as long as it was for him. If it was for him, hey, bring it on. But if it's for his enemy, no. If it was for people, yes, but if it was for anybody else, absolutely not. And it's interesting to point out, actually, when Jonah is praying in verse number two, and he's describing the characteristics of God, the fact that they are, uh, God is a gracious God, a loving God, a merciful God, and so on and so forth. You want to know something really cool about that? Jonah is actually quoting scripture there. Did you know that? Jonah quoted scripture a lot when he prayed to God. He's quoting scripture right here, and if you, you read and study it, he's actually quoting Exodus chapter number 34. Now, Exodus chapter 34 is a really cool story. It is a prayer of Moses talking to God, and he's trying to get Moses, or, or Moses is trying to get God to show mercy on the chosen people. You see, in Exodus 34, the Jews were in a bad place. 
They were making a golden calf and they were worshiping false idols. They were doing very wicked and vile things. And so Moses is going to God and he's saying, hey, hey, hey God, I, I know they slipped up. I know they made mistakes. I, I, I know that they've sinned and they deserve judgment, but I'm asking you, please don't judge them. Please, please forgive them. Please show mercy on them. And you want to know what God said? God said, oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to judge them. No, I'm a loving God. I'm a gracious God. I'm, I'm long-suffering. I'm slow to anger. He, he quoted Jonah 4 too. That's who I am. I'm not going to do that to those people. They're my people. That's what he said. And so Jonah knew that verse, and years later, he's praying and talking to God, and he's saying, hey, God, I know you're a gracious God. I know you're a loving God. I know you're a merciful God, and I love that as long as it's for the chosen people, as long as it's for the Jews, as long as it's for our people. God, I thought we knew this, right? We are your chosen people, right? We are the people of God. You're not supposed to show that grace to anybody else. You're supposed to do it to us. I'm all for the grace of God as long as it's for me. That's what he's saying there. Jonah is saying, in other words there, I'm all for you giving a chance to people that I like. I'm all for you giving a second chance to me and second chance to people that I like, but I reserve the right to tell you not to give a second chance to the people I don't like. That's kind of the mindset that Jonah has here, right? He, he's trying to get God on his terms, right? God, I want to serve you. I want to follow you as long as it's by my rules, as long as it's by my mindset, as long as it's my idea of church, or as long as it's my idea of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's trying to get to him on his terms, right? He's focused on him. He's focused on his people and not anybody else. So let me ask you today, is there anyone in your life that you think doesn't deserve a second chance? Anybody in your life right now that you think that, right? And you may think, oh, yeah, God should give them a second chance, but I'm not going to give them a second chance. You think like that? They've done me dirty too much. I'm done with them. Can I tell you, if that's the case today, you're in the same boat as Jonah. Because that's what Jonah was at, right? It was, it was honestly, it boils down to selfishness. He's focused on me, not others, right? God gave you a second chance, and so therefore you're supposed to love the same way as God and give them a second chance. So he was selfish. That's the first reason. But then we also learn in verse number three, he was self-righteous, right? Look at verse number three now. Um, and, and we see uh, a, a crazy verse, one of the weirdest verses in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says, therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee, take my life for me, from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now that escalated really quickly. Remember now, he was just forgiven, right? He just is alive, right? Got, got that second chance from God. The, the whale vomited Jonah up. He was able to, to go and do great things for God. He lived. And now Jonah is saying, hey, if you're going to forgive them, throw me back into that whale. I'm ready to die. I would rather die than watch you forgive them. Dude, that's crazy. That's weird. You can say, I would never say that. Well, can I tell you the modern day equivalent of that? Over my dead body. You ever say that before? Heard people say that? I know a lot of Christians with that attitude, that self-righteous attitude. Hey, I will compromise my idea of church over my dead body. I will forgive them over my dead body. I'll have a relationship with them over my dead body. I won't let them do that to me again. A lot of Christians with that mindset. A lot of Christians with that attitude. And it's crazy to think about, but 
but Jonah is the one that's talking this way. And it's so hard for me to realize that, especially because in Jonah chapter 2, we just learn how he was repentant towards God and how rebellious and wicked he was, and, and God forgave him. It, it, it's so hard for me to, to think about this. He's experienced miracles, but now he has that same mindset. You would think that him of all people would understand, but understand this now, self-righteousness really is not a thing. When you're self-righteous, you want to know what that means? That means you've forgotten who you really are. Because there's nobody that's really self-righteous. No, if you are self-righteous, you've forgotten who you really are in and of yourself. Right? Jonah here, he's forgotten who he was. He's forgotten that he's not just a prophet. He's a prodigal prophet. He's a rebellious prophet. He is a, a running prophet, right? He's forgotten his own rebellion. He's forgotten his own sin. He's forgotten the outrageousness of his stance toward God. And he's forgotten his need of grace. Jonah forgot who he was. And any person who's self-righteous has forgotten who they really are. And I know a lot of people today, I know a lot of Christians today that have forgotten who they are. Right? They start to look down on other people because, because they think they're above them, right? That self-righteous attitude. They forgot who they are. And you want to know what happens when you forget who you are? It leads to anger. That leads to wrath. That leads to bitterness, right? Because you're trying to hide something, right? And you want to know something? That's why there's so many angry Christians today. Dude, why are Christians so grumpy today? They give such a bad example of Christ. It bothers me so much. Before I became pastor here, um, my final year, I would travel around and I would preach at so many different churches. And each week, sometimes I would come to church and it was good. Sometimes I'd go into church and they are just the grumpiest people I've ever met in my life. I never would want to go. If I was a visitor going to that church, I would never want to go back again. If I hadn't accepted Christ and I wanted to accept Christ and I went to that church, I'd say, this isn't for me. They're, they're more miserable than I am. Right? Grumpy Christians. Why is that? Self-righteous leads to anger. They forgot who they really were. Right? And, and, and we have forgotten that we are all sinners who need grace. Right? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All sin is equal toward God. Hey, I am just as much as of a wicked sinner as you're just as much a wicked sinner. We are Jonah. We are Nineveh who need repentance. But isn't it something that we have a tendency to maximize the sins of other people and yet minimize our own sins? Dude, we can do that, man. We, we, we think about the sins of other people. How bad? Oh, I would never do that. And then we're sinning just as bad behind closed doors. Come on, right? That leads to anger, right? Selfishness, self-righteousness, the reason for his sins. And basically, if you think about it, it's just his sin nature, right? Because he's a sinner just as you and my, uh, me are sinners today, right? We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And because of that, we're all going to have this attitude. We're all going to have these, these root sins in our life, and that's why it's so important to recognize them and to allow God to root out that bitterness and root out that sin in our life so we can be who God called us to be. All right, so we looked at the description of his anger, the reasons for his anger, but then number three, and I'm done, I want you to notice the answer for his anger. All right, how, how do we do this? Right? How, how can we overcome this anger in our life? How can I overcome this root of bitterness? How can I get this root of bitterness out before I let it fester and grow more and more and more? How do we do that? Well, notice God's response to Jonah in verse number four. Now, if I were God and I just had Jonah 
this wicked prophet curse me out, yell at me and get mad at me for being a gracious and loving God, man, I'd probably let him have it, right? You know, I'd talk, if I throw some lightning bolts down at him, right, just take him home right there, right? He doesn't deserve anything. Are, are you kidding me right now after all I've done for you? I'd lecture him, I'd get mad, right? All of those things. But you want to know something? That's not how our God works. I'm very thankful for that. Look, look at his response in verse 4, all right? He says, Then the Lord said, Doest thou well to be angry? That's it. Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? All he does is ask Jonah a question. If you keep reading, that's God's only response initially. Right now he talks to him a little bit later, but, but right here he just asks him a question. He didn't lecture. He didn't yell. All he did was talk to him. He asked him a question. You want to know what questions do? Questions let the person know that you're listening. Questions let the person know that you care. Right? His feelings may be false, but that doesn't matter. God says, hey, I know how you feel. Right? You're, to, to you, your feeling is fact, so I'm talking with you. I, I just want to hear from you. Right? Questions let them know that you care. And, and, and not only that, but questions prick our conscience. They cause us to look inward and reflect. They cause us to think about the inside. You see, God is awesome. <laughs> and, and God wants you to come to these conclusions yourself. God is not a God that says, I told you so. That's not the type of God that we serve. No, and he's not going to say, this is what it is. You failed. You're done. No, he tries to get you to come to these conclusions yourself. Right? Tries to get you to realize, hey, that you are a sinner and you need a savior. Right? And you did slip up, but he doesn't do it in a, in a, you know, putting his thumb down sort of way. No, he asks a question. And, and God wants you to see things about you that he sees, but that you haven't seen yet. And he does this through one question. Doest thou well to be angry? And I can't help but think about that. When I think about Jonah and I think about God talking about this, I, I just tend to put myself in father mode, right, father mindset. And I, I just think about, you know, a, a little kid that, that is so wrong, so in the wrong, and, and it's really just being naughty. And you don't yell at him, but, you know, you just get out down on one knee, eye level, and you're just like, buddy, what's up? You know, what's wrong? Tell me about it. I, I can't wait for that day when I can, I can be at my daughter's level and try to talk with her in that way. Not, not yell at her, not lecture her, but just try to see what she's feeling. Wait, that's what Jonah's doing here. Or that's what God's doing here to Jonah. He's trying to connect with him. He's trying to talk with him. He's saying, Jonah, are, are you justified in being angry right now? Let, let, let's think through this process a little bit. Think about what you're saying right now. Are, are you really mad at me about this? What do we see God doing here? He's parenting Jonah, yes, but really he's loving Jonah. God is loving Jonah every step of the way. He's sinned, he's rebelled, he's wicked, he deserves judgment, he really does. He deserves hell just like every single one of us. We all deserve it, right? But, but what does God do for us? He gets down on one knee and he talks with us. You see, the answer for Jonah's anger today was love. That's what it was, God loving Jonah, and God loving Jonah where he was. God loving Jonah where he was at, right there. Anger, clamor, bitterness, he loved him right there. 
And we need to realize that today. You see, that's this whole message. That's this whole series. That's the entire book of Jonah again and again and again. It's not about Nineveh. It's not about a great fish. It's not about a great city. It's about a great God who loves with a relentless love. The relentless love of God, a personal one-on-one relationship with Almighty God where he loves us and cares for us in a perfect way. And loving him and learning how to love in that same way. Now, this is only part one of our message today. we got more to cover about anger and the love of God. We're going to look at that next week. Uh, but, but I want to ask you today in closing, are you angry today? Are you angry with God? Is your life filled with, with deep roots of bitterness and resentment that you have suppressed and you have put down? To say the words of God, doest thou well to be angry? How are you doing? If you're struggling with anger, I want you to know today, God wants to help you. He wants to root out those problems in your life. He wants you, dude. He does. I love this. He wants you to experience a breakthrough. That's what he wants for you. A breakthrough. Man, and the answer is simple. It's love. Reflect on the love that God has shown you this week, and then reflect that love onto other people.